You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I was just hanging out talking with my team here about this new app for me because, you know, I'm coming from St. Louis to Los Angeles, uh, uh, a DoorDash, Postmates, we didn't really have that. You know, people weren't delivering out into the into the wilderness where, where my house was at. So it's like a whole new reality. And it's so interesting to see like the access and the deliverability of various foods and, you know, items from the store and this kind of thing. It's really interesting to see for me being new to this. And I, I just really felt compelled to share this because this is such a great opportunity because at no other time in human history could you just use this phone, this device in your hand and be able to create an income for yourself and to uh, take care of your livelihood and the livelihood of your family, whether it's through Uber, whether it's through social media uh, influencer status and or it's through delivery with, you know, Postmates and things like that. It's really, really powerful. And for all of us, like there is no excuse. There is no reason that we can't take action to uh, better our circumstances, you know, and it's just... For, for all of us, it might be, not be your goal or your mission. You might not have been in elementary school, like writing down your goals when you grow up. Like, I want to do the DoorDash when I grow up. And, and your teacher's like, what is DoorDash? It's like, it's not invented yet, okay? I just, you know, I have uh, psychic power. And anyways, you, it might not have been a thing yet, but it's a thing today. And as you'll learn today on this episode, all the things that we're doing, it might not be exactly the thing that you were intending on your path, but whatever your path is, whatever your ultimate goal is, you can absolutely get there. The road is not going to be a straight road. And a lot of us, you know, that's one of the things that we say. It's one of the reasons that we don't take action is because of money. You know, we say, you know, I want to go to that event, but, or I want to be able to take this trip, but there is a way today more than ever. And this is why I've been doing shows recently on financial wellness and really working on our financial fitness because we have to get past those stories that we tell ourselves, and I'll put the like masterclass episode that I did personally in the show notes for you guys just a few weeks back, and also just some of the guests that I've have on, had on recently as well, including Pat Flynn, and just changing our mindset because it's a really important muscle for us to work today, and we've got so much opportunity and access. Now, on the other side of the coin, I was just in a conversation with today's guest and talking about some of the businesses that are taking a hit because of apps and services like DoorDash and like Uber, for example, and the, the, the cab industry just taking such a huge hit. And the, the truth is we have to adapt. We cannot put all of our, quote, eggs in one basket today. We need to be able to pivot and to diversify. And the thing that rings true through no matter what it is that we're doing is the person that we are, right? It's the, it's the quality of our character. It's our experience. It's our... It's the quality of the things that we do and the way that we live our lives that translates. And when we had Michael Beckwith on recently and he shared and he said to me, he was just giving an example that no matter where I am, I am it. It can't be taken from me. It can't be separate from me. And so even if all the things that I've been a part of right now, if I'm just taken and implanted in another place on the planet where nobody knows me, I will find my way back to where I am today. And it just really resonated with me because it just speaks to the fact of like, you become it. You know, we're trying to chase after and find and accumulate things, but it's not about 
attracting something. It's about becoming it. It's about putting yourself in position, growing yourself as a person so that no matter what you pivot to, whether it's pivoting it from a corporate job into entrepreneurship or pivoting from entrepreneurship to creating a charity or not-for-profit, and you bring yourself to it. So the success you've accumulated, a great example is Scott Harrison, who we had on a while back, who is the creator and CEO of Charity Water, right? He was an epic, legendary nightclub promoter in like New York City. And he took that, the, the, the esteem and the experience that he accumulated, and he put this into this non-for-profit. You know, for him, something a lot more meaningful and impactful. And so it's growing ourselves no matter where we are. We might be in some sketchy situations. All right, we're going to talk about that today. But it's giving us opportunities, growing different skills, different muscles. And so there are like, you know, might be a mom and pop type restaurant where people aren't coming in as much. So hitting that door dasher and they're laying back watching Netflix and getting that, you know, that that uh, comfort food delivered right to them. You know, so I do want to shout out just for us to still get out and go experience and 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 engage in the in the world outside, of course. But at the same time, for those companies like Blockbuster, for example, what do you even remember Blockbuster? Right. We used to go to Family Video was another one too. I had Star Video when I was a kid. I would literally hop on my bike and I would ride to Star Video and rent video games rent movies, and I just watch them by myself. I would get on my bike and go and rent like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 17 or Friday the 13th 27. You know, there's so many of them. And I go back to the house and watch them. And why would we want to scare ourselves? I shared on the show my experience when I was very little of my mom taking me to a drive-in so inappropriately when I was like five and seeing Nightmare on Elm Street with my uh, stepfather, which was just like traumatizing for me. Like, there's no reason I should have saw that. And I had nightmares for like, until I was like a teenager because of that experience. And I never told anybody, but I shared it here on the show. And it, was, it wasn't until I was like 16 years old, maybe 15, 14, some, somewhere in there. But, you know, Freddie was chasing me in my dream and I was running. And then we just like, I just stopped. I was like, listen, man, we're not getting anywhere with this. Like, you're chasing me, I'm running. Like, we're not really, we're, we're not going anywhere. This is getting old. And he kind of agreed and we just like, you know, shook hands or whatever. Like he had the, the, it was like his good hand. And then that was it, you know. But, you know, having that experience of going to the video stores and, you know, the hunt, you know, the, the hunt of getting out there, like standing by the return box, like you got the movie in yet? Is Leave the Weapon 3 in yet? Um, but you have to adapt. Netflix came along. First, they were sending stuff in the mail. Wow. Interesting. And then they got it where it's just coming directly through your television and game over, you know. But Blockbuster had the opportunity first. They had the funds. They had the ability to create the infrastructure. They just it was like, nobody's going to do that. People are always going to want to come into our store. We have to grow and adapt. You know, it's not going to be a straight line to our success. We're going to get off sometimes. But every challenge that we're presented with is giving us opportunity for growth, right? So really pumped about this episode today. We're going to be talking about this and a lot more, and how fear is a really big contributing factor to our ability to adapt and to make it to our ultimate goals. So super excited about that. When my guest got here, I like to give my guests gifts. I gave her some Organifi gold. I know that was really resonant with who she is and, and what she's doing with her teaching and her practice. And the hallmark ingredient that it's centered around in the gold formula is turmeric. And turmeric is one of the most 
potent in this category of these, quote, superfoods, but it has a lot of clinical evidence as to its efficacy. One of the things that it's noted to do clinically is it has anti-angiogenesis properties. So this means that this substance is able to basically cut off the blood supply to cancer cells. And here's one of the most remarkable things I saw recently. So turmeric, and as you know, the flagship kind of active ingredient is curcumin. And this study was published in the European Journal of Nutrition and covered that in addition to being able to downregulate inflammatory cytokines, so that's what it's really noted for, the biggest claim to fame that turmeric has is it's anti-inflammatory. Turmeric actually was found to upregulate the activity of one of our major satiety hormones called adiponectin. All right, adiponectin, so you might know about leptin as being a satiety hormone. Adiponectin, so first of all, it is as a satiating capacity, but it helps to actually assist the body in burning fat, but without increasing hunger. And that is what makes it so remarkable. One of the other things that adiponectin has been found to do is it helps your body to mobilize fat from your viscera. So like the visceral belly fat region, it has this ability to turn on lipolysis where that fat is getting mobilized and released from the viscera. And it moves it to the safer, in many ways, easier to burn area in the subcutaneous fat. All right, so it takes it from the dangerous fat and puts it in more of a safer place. Really, really crazy stuff, interesting stuff found in turmeric. And this is the basis of the Organifi Gold product. So it's it's the turmeric plus some other amazing things that makes it taste great. Uh, medicinal mushrooms are in there as well. So a lot of people use it for bedtime, you know, to help them to sleep because Rishi's in there. Definitely check it out. It's so tasty. Folks like it. You can have it hot with hot water or with some almond milk, have it cold. I like to throw it in smoothies myself. Organifi Gold, pop over there, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off everything they carry. All right, that's Organifi.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled The Model of Health All Over the World by Cassie C. Gittinger. Shout out from the Lou. I first read Sleep Smarter a few years ago, learned you were from St. Louis, and started following everything you do. I've passed along the book and Model Health Show to many friends, family, and clients. My husband and I recently moved to Germany, and with the mix of traveling and time zone changes, I just reread your book, and it did the trick again. I'm a personal trainer in St. Louis and listen to the podcast between clients and now on road trips here in Europe. I always learn something, become extra motivated, and have so many tips and resources to share with clients. From your expertise and that of your guests, I can't get enough. Keep it coming, Sean. Oh, I definitely will. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. And everybody, please, if you've yet to leave a review, pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. I appreciate it so very much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Koya Webb, and she's well noted to be a transformation specialist. She's a highly regarded expert who's contributed to many platforms, including NBC, CBS, and Steve Harvey. And she operates from a place of intentionality and is noted to be a thought leader in yoga and is an internationally renowned yoga teacher. And that's how I first found out about her. And she's got a new podcast called Get Loved Up. And she also has a new book called Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. And this is an awesome, awesome conversation with Koya Webb. Check it out. How long has your podcast you been doing that? Oh, goodness. I should know this question. 
It's Maybe a four months. Okay. So it's pretty new. Pretty I'm new. I'm new. Yeah. Was right. it one of those things where you thinking about for a long time of doing, or are you just like, I should do this? It was like, definitely I should do this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long I was thinking about it. Yeah, it was definitely I should do this. Mm -hmm. It just came up and I was like, okay. Yeah. That's how my life has been. I just it, things come up, and I'm either like yes or no. Mm. And if it's great, I don't move. I don't do anything. Yeah. Until yeah. it's like a clear yes or a clear no. Mm. So mm -hmm. with the podcast, it was just it came up, and it was like a clear yes. I was like, all right, how do we get started? Yeah. I just went, and yeah. so it's been amazing. That's dope. Like you being who you are, you're so established in you. Mm -hmm. Like you can feel good even five years from now when people are going to listen to episode one because right. you're you. You right. know, you're still like figuring stuff out, but mm -hmm. it's still like. I'm not you know. attached to that. You know, I'm not attached to like if I've changed or if something has shifted because that's all part of the journey. Yeah. I think before I started and definitely before I wrote the book, I was attached. I was kind of a perfectionist. Like, oh, it mm. has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And who who says this is absolutely true? I'm not sure. So I don't know if I want to write that. I was so caught up. On like being perfect, yeah. I couldn't get anything done. Yeah. And as soon as I was like, you know what, it's okay. Who you are right now is a beautiful person, and who will you be in ten years is going to be a beautiful person. And they're not going to be the same. Just actually understand, they're absolutely not going to be the same person. You're gonna have the same soul, the spirit, the heart for people, but you're you're gonna evolve, and that's yeah. that's beautiful. So that's it helped so, me get things done. Oh, that's so heartwarming to hear that. You know, just because that idea of perfectionism just oh. keeps so many people imprisoned. And mm -hmm. I literally this what you just described. I literally did that. My first book which shall remain nameless, you know, many years ago. When <laughs> Where I was just, is it? It's out, you know what's so funny is like, maybe every other week, uh -huh. and this book is, is at least, this was 10 years ago at least, somebody will find it at like a, a random library or like a uh -huh. five cent bookstore and they'll tag me <laughs> <laughs> on social media, like this book changed my life. And I'm like, oh, really? See? <laughs> well, you know, because I was, I was in the process, right. you know, but that's the beautiful thing is that that was, it, it's always like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's so refreshing to hear that. And you just kind of just getting it done. And you're going to keep going back and looking at it with updated eyes. Absolutely. Already. Know? Already I'm ready for yeah. the second one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, we got some ideas. Because in, in writing a book, as you probably know, and writing yours, you change and evolve the process of writing it. You're going through healing, especially when you include, like I include a lot of personal stories with mine. Yeah. So going through those stories again, going through the work again, like I went through a whole evolution, a whole realm of healing, even writing the book. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's powerful. And I picked that up as I was reading. And the first thing I want to ask you about is how did you, well, I know a little bit, but how did you get from like star track athlete to yoga like you're a superstar you know and i know it's not like you're in your head you know like <laughs> no. you got the big but i mean you are you know just i remember when i saw you up here at the studio mm -hmm. the first time when we bumped into each other i was like we're facebook friends from like five years ago or six years ago whenever it was and just seeing your growth because i went back and looked and it's astronomical mm -hmm. but i didn't know the pre-story right. and the pre-story was you were out there in them cleats Right, doing the track thing. So how did you get from there to where you are? What was the catalyst? The catalyst. I think the catalyst is even today, I'm still that tomboy <laughs> that lived in the country that loved to climb trees and that was ambitious and inquisitive and that loved to play and loves people. 
Mm-hmm. Really, that's how. Because there's so much, as you read in the book, that has happened to me along the way. And I think that, you know, when I was running track and field, it was an outlet for me. It was like, mm-hmm. I want to get out of the country. I want to see new things. I want to, I was just always into just seeing things and having experiences. I'm very much an adventurist and yeah. I want to see the world. And so track and field gave me that opportunity to like travel, see the world and, you know, do something fun, run around the track in circles and jump things, you know, which, you know, being an athletic young girl, um, it was fun for me. And so really, I think the the catalyst, the, the big the big shift was when I actually had injury. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when things are going great, you think, okay, this is it. I'm set. This is going to last forever. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do everything. And then when something happens um, to change that, especially unexpectedly, yeah. it's like devastation. Yeah. And so for me, I, everything that I did was surrounded around track and field. Yeah. And this I was mean, in college, right? This was in college. So where were you at at school? In high, in, um, so you college? grew up, first of all, you grew up in... I grew up in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Did you Humboldt, go to school Tennessee. In, in Tennessee? I went to school in Humboldt, Tennessee. I graduated from Humboldt High School. And after Humboldt High School, I went to... Um, UT Martin. So I didn't go to Knoxville because actually I went there for, um, what do they call it? You know, when you go and you check out the school and everything, you know, you're you're shadowing like the teachers and the athletes and you're deciding if you want to go there. And one of my friends, we went out for a party and one of my friends wound up missing. And so it scared me. And even though my mom and my father, and I don't think I've ever really told this story much, but I remember that I was going to go there because, you know, my dad and my mom went to UTK. And after my friend turned up missing, I was like, I don't want to go there. I want to I need to stay close to home. Mm -hmm. It's safer. I can be close to my family. You know, I was, you know, middle child. So I was like really taking care of my family a lot. So I decided to go to UT Martin my first year in college. And I gained this freshman 25 pounds. Mm, <laughs> Not freshman, the freshman 15. 25 20, quarter pounders. Five quarter pounders. Like, it was, but I didn't understand. And it yeah. wasn't like that I just got unhealthy. Actually, it was the opposite. I was very strong and healthy. I was an athlete. I was on the track, but I had food because yeah. I ate in moderation and modestly when I was growing up because right. we didn't really have much. Yeah. So here I am in college and we got a buffet. You got that meal Not ticket. just one buffet. We had seven buffets. Oh. We had like the pasta buffet, the Thai buffet, the Chinese buffet, and me being an adventure. I wanted to try it all, yeah. you know? So each time I sat down, I would get like five plates of food. I'd have ice cream. And because I ate anything that I wanted and worked out, yeah. I, I really didn't get the concept that there was anything wrong with it. So I ate all this food. And, you know, in the South, you know, they like them thick. So (laughs) I was getting curves. I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. And I just kept eating. Mm. And so, you know, long story short, my performance Mm. didn't follow. Like after I gained 25 pounds, I was a high jumper. Oh, wow. Um, I couldn't get my butt over the bar. I was like, (laughs) there's this extra couple inches on the backside that's really holding me back. So I tried and I really had a tough year. My freshman year was very tough. And I was just like, okay, this this has to change. And so my coach was like, why don't you come to Kansas with me? Um, give you a new start, a fresh. I got bullied a lot. I got jumped once. 
Um, it was just like, it was horrific. I wasn't supposed to be there. And I do yeah. believe that sometimes when you need to make a shift or a change, things happen to kind of push you in the other mm. direction. Yeah. So I had a really tough freshman year, gained a lot of weight, and my coach just felt so sorry for me. He was like, Koya, come to Wichita stay with me. We'll, we'll, you're just going to start over. And I was like, all right. So I went to Wichita. I was like, definitely it's not going good. The guy yeah. I was dating, I broke up with him too. So I went Man, to Wichita State. It's all was, bad. When they it say it's all brutal. good, it's not all it good. It was not all good. <laughs> good at all it was like what have I done and what am I doing maybe I don't even want to go to college like I definitely questioned I was like is this I mean because I looked at a different world and they had a cool college campus right it was fun. yes and that's what I was Whitley where's Whitley exactly. yeah and and Dorian <laughs> and him so I was um I was like okay this is not what I thought it was going to be but I didn't give up and I think that's so important for people when they do find themselves in places where I'm not fitting in, um, I'm not doing well, just to not give up, but to find out if not this, then what? If not this, then what? And so I was like, okay, if not this, then what? And my coach is like, maybe this. And I was like, all right, let's try it. So being the open-minded person and Benjamin's Pro, I was like, all right, here we go to Wichita State. People are like, Wichita State, where is that? Where, where is that? Kansas. So I went there and I started over. And coach was like, sometimes people can't, and they're timid to tell women, especially things about weight. But he was like, okay, let's talk about gravity. So you gained a little weight not able to get over the bar. So what are you eating? And I was like, everything. Food is so good. And I went on and on. He's like, okay, so you're going to have to cut it down to three meals a day. And you're going to have to cut it down to one or two plates. <laughs> he still gave me one, one or two, or two. plates yeah. per. And, and I just cut back. That's literally all I did. I was mm. more conscious about my eating. And then everything stabilized. Because, of course, I was working hard four hours on the track and yeah. in the gym. And, again, this was healthy. I went from, we're talking about one 115 to like 135. So I was still, and I'm 5'10. So, and now I look slim, but I weigh 160 pounds. So it wasn't that, you know, it, but weight is weight. It doesn't matter how it looks. It's um, when you come to athletics, it's just about science. And even now I tell people, whether you want to be big or small, don't be attached to the weight. Just look good and feel good and be happy with what, what you see. And so, but anyway, I, I wasn't, I was feeling good and I was looking good as I wanted to look. But for my athletics, it didn't work. So I started running track. Within a year, I was slated to win the conference meet. Everything was going great. My grades were good. I was headed for a 4.0 that season. And I was walking home um, from practice, and I got this sharp pain in my back. And I was like, that was weird. It felt like a lightning bolt like down yeah. my back. And I was like, oh, that was weird. And so I kept walking. I was like, ooh. And then I fell to the ground. I was like, this is crazy. I don't know what's happening. I never felt anything like that before. So they took me to the doctor. And coach was like, you have a stress fracture in your fourth lumbar. And, you know, it doesn't look good. I was like, what do you mean it doesn't look good? Like, what is, what is it doesn't look good? Me, like, like, so can we, like, patch it up? I got to take a week off. He was like... You need to really stay off of it's a fracture in the bone, so you're gonna have to take the season off. Mm. I'm like, the season, mm. the season I'm I'm kind of slated to win, yeah. the season I'm supposed to help the, you know, I was team captain, like we're we're trying to go in for this championship, like this season. And he's like, yeah, you know, Koya, like if it, if it doesn't heal, he was like, you could, you could still be a coach. And I was just like, wait, we went from slated to win the conference to coaching. Mm. So like I was devastated. Like it's like my heart bled, and I was just like, one day, 
have chills now mm. just thinking about the moment and how I felt. And it was just like everything that I worked so hard for and all that work um, it was just like completely, it just like disappeared in one day. I just, I was, I, I couldn't believe it. So I, I had a huge depression. I was crying in my classes. The teacher was like, Koya, I think you need to go see the counselor. And I was just like, it doesn't, nothing mattered. Mm. I didn't want to live. I was just like, what do I have now? If I don't have track, what do I have? And so I went to the counselor and she was like, I think you should try yoga. They had like a yoga. I'm thinking yoga. I'm thinking Buddha. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking different religion. Parents not going to feel good about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. And she was like, no, it's just stretching. I was like, well, why do you want me to stretch? Like, I'm not going to be running track. I'm not doing that, you know, but I was, just, I really didn't have a choice, to be honest. And so I went in there. <clears throat> I'm seeing these people looking like it's bliss and it's painful. I cannot touch my toes. I'm standing on my head. I feel like my brain is going to ooze out. Everything is painful. And they're like, it'll come, it'll come, it's peaceful. I'm like, you guys are lying. <laughs> like, this is not feel good. It's not, and I don't feel good. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be alive. And I just, I just was so frustrated. And the teacher came to me and she's like, just breathe with me. Just, just breathe with me. And I, I remember saying, okay. And I remember this chill going through my body. And I was like, oh, that felt really, really good. And I remember before when I had that feeling, that tingle, tingling sensation was when I got baptized when I was a little girl. And I remember my mom and dad saying, you know, I asked them, when am I going to know when to get baptized? When am I going to know? They're like, you'll feel it. You'll know. I was like, but how? Like, what, what side am I looking for? They're like, you'll know. And I felt that sensation throughout my entire body. And, and that's when I got baptized. So when I felt this sensation, I knew I'm like, this is a good thing. This is a really good, so I'm going to stay here. So I stayed in the yoga class. I did the yoga. And then I started swimming. I started biking. And I healed my entire body. But I also healed my mind. And I learned to sit in silence. Eventually, some of those painful poses became more comfortable. But it was a lot of pain. It didn't happen overnight. It took an entire year an entire season and I did try to go back halfway and it was like nope you're not ready and um after that I won the conference meet and led Wichita State to its first women's championship Mm -hmm. so what I wanted to do the year before I took a year of humble (laughs) work and inner reflection to finally get to that place wow that is amazing that's I mean, when I read the story and just hearing it kind of fleshed out in more color here, uh, I was just shocked, like, Mm -hmm. to go through that situation. And we hear stories similar to this, but there's about to be a change that we're going to talk about next. But you you did. You came back and you kind of fulfilled your goal, Mm -hmm. but then your goals changed. Right. You know, and that was really one of the most remarkable things in the book because... Mm. I think that the breakdown of your identity mm-hmm. really helped to make that even possible because so many of us really attach ourselves to this idea of who we think we're supposed to be. And if that thing is taken away, then what are we? And right. we're lost. And there can be a great clearing that takes place. And you get mm-hmm. to see like, wow, I can actually pick and choose and you know, and dance with this stuff a little bit. And so you decided to get off of this track, literally get off the track of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Olympics and all the stuff that you thought about um, doing when you were growing up and focusing on helping other people right. and specifically through the medium of yoga. So what was the 
catalyst for you to have the audacity to do something like that? Well, I first want to, and thank you for picking that up, because I do believe it was a big revelation to me as well, because what didn't change was my my mission. And even the reason that I wanted to run track and get Olympic gold medal, because I'd see Marianne Jones, I'd see these athletes, and they were making a difference in the world. And so being a young girl, and you know, and you're from a small town, and you're like, well, well, what is my impact? Like, what can I do to make the world a better place? And I was like, well, I know that if I do this thing that people, I can help people. And I just wanted to help people. I've, I've always wanted to serve. I always wanted to see people happy. It's starting with my family. I do it. And I thought I wanted to be a nurse, a doctor, anything that happened had to do with making people feel good. But I realized I don't like hospitals. I don't like seeing people in pain. I don't like seeing, like all that stuff is, whoa, like way too much for me. Um, and so I shadowed all of these occupations. And I remember the first person that I met that was actually happy because, you know, some point person that was a nurse, they're like, I love helping people, but I don't make that much money. And then I, I interviewed a physical therapist. I, I'm a physical therapist. I make good money, but I don't see my family that much. The first person that I met that was happy with what they were making and what they were doing was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I decided to do. I was like, well, they're happy and I just want to be happy. My mom and dad were big influences in my life. My dad was very strict and very stern. You got to do the work, get a good job. You know, he was not okay with, of course, me not knowing what I wanted to do. But my mom was always like, whatever you do, just make sure you're happy. Just make sure you're happy. And so I was like, well, that person is happy. And if this shadowing, you know, that we do in college and high school is about finding, you know, what you want to do. I knew, you know, from coming from humble beginnings that it wasn't going to be money that's going to make me happy. I I knew that. I was like, it's going to be the feeling that I have inside and it's going to be around helping people. My dad said I was going to be a teacher. I was like... No, nah, dad, I'm not going to be a mm-hmm. teacher. I don't want to sit in the classroom. I think that's very boring. But he saw me and how I love to share knowledge. Once I learned to read, I'd help my brothers. I helped my people in my church. And, and so he saw that at a young age. But I was like, no, no, no way. So what happened was after I won the conference meet, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics. I'm training to the Olympics. I'm, I'm close. I'm ready. I can do this. So I moved to California. And I didn't know a soul. I didn't have a cousin, a relative, no one. I just moved because the Olympic Training Center was in San Diego. Pick, looked in online, and I found this coach, Ron Sheffield, and I was like, called him up. I was like, hey, Ron, how you doing? He's like, who is this? I was like, this is Koya. You don't know me. He's like, who is this? This is Koya. You don't know me. But look, I would love for you to be my coach. He's like, who is this? <laughs> Look, I know this is super weird, but what I can promise you is if you agree to coach me, I will get better and better every single day. And he was just like, I don't know you, but I like your attitude, so I'll coach you. And I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Like, I I didn't. I just, I don't know. People like, how did you get the guts? I was like, I don't know. Like, somehow it was in me. It was destiny. And so I moved here. He agreed to coach me. That's all I needed. And so after um, six months, I became a personal trainer. I was training for 24-hour fitness. And um, I was training for 5 a.m. to 10. Then I practiced from like 11 or 12 until about 4. And then I go and I personal train again from 5 to 10. Because I had an apartment. I was trying to do it on my own, very independent. And what happened? I pulled my hamstring. 
Because again, even though I learned with yoga the first time, I was like, thanks, yoga. So I still was more mindful, but I wasn't doing yoga on a regular basis. I stopped taking care of myself. I was losing sleep. I remember looking in the mirror at the gym and my eye was jumping from the stress because I had stress from working out. I had stress from like training so many people. I had a waiting list. And I was just like, why? I was so sad again. It wasn't as devastating as the first time, but this time I knew what to do. I was like, going back to yoga. But this time I said, I need to know more about this yoga. Like this changed my life. And and I really just said thank you the first time. Mm-hmm. Really didn't stick with it. And so I decided to do a yoga teacher training. And that is what changed my life. Really studying the mental, the spiritual, and the physical aspects of breath work and meditation and the, these different limbs of yoga that, that teach you to be more mindful and live in a more mindful way and teach you that everything centers around focusing on the breath, focusing on that spiritual connection that you get, that chill that I felt, that was spirit. And we all have it. Everyone has the breath. Everyone has the opportunity to connect with spirit every single day. And once I found that, I said, I want to give this gift to every single person who's open to receiving it. Mm. And that's that's what I'm doing. Wow. Oh, I love that. This is just takes me back to a uh, conversation. I actually had her on. She was the most requested person. It was my mother-in-law. Oh, <laughs> you nice. know, we've had some incredible, Ari, uh, Arianda Huffington, which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, Dr. Oz, all these great people. She's most requested because she's had the biggest impact on me. Mm. And when we first met, it was maybe like the second or third time that we ever, that I saw her, she said, if I could give everybody one gift, it would be meditation. Mm. And she'd been teaching meditation for a couple of decades, meditating for maybe 40 years at the time. And being from Kenya, like it was very, that was not something that was done, right. you know? And she just said she wanted to give everybody this gift. And I, I, to be honest, like, I thought she was crazy. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what is, why would you, you know, why would you say that? Can you give everybody a car? Like, Oprah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, and it wasn't until I engaged in it, it wasn't until I participated that I realized, like, it is the most invaluable thing. And so you getting that and being so adamant, and, and the great thing about it, about you, is that packaging it up in a way that, is an easy on-ramp and attractive for so many people, mm-hmm. right? Somebody on my team here in the studio today was like, I did a class with her, you know? It's like, <laughs> maybe was it a couple years ago, mm-hmm. you know? And just mm-hmm. like, you have people from all walks of life, uh, men and women, and just everybody who um, are looking for that opportunity to just get better, you know? And like, you really have that come across in the way that you teach. And so in your book, speaking of teaching and putting this all together, <laughs> You know, you do share some of your story, but the catalyst is really, and I want to ask you about this specifically, why on earth would you have your first book be based around dealing with fear? Mm. The reason is when I moved to California and I started doing yoga and I finally, um, you know, kept evolving and kept following my dreams as well. I mean, I did the modeling, I got into some TV, did some commercials, all the things, um, which again led me from San Diego to then LA. And I remember at a point where I just felt a little lost. I felt a loss between like this spiritual depths of my soul and 
reality or media or working and job. And I was in Hollywood and I was experiencing all these negative and really hard to to deal with things. And then I was also um, experiencing the depth of my spiritual practice daily. And it was like this huge duality in my life. And I was, you know, I go going to church regularly, but, you know, everything wasn't always making sense. And I, I was in a very confused period in my life. And I remember walking through the doors of Agape Spiritual Center, which I know you're familiar with, and things started to make sense. Things started to make sense. And I started to understand how to navigate this world that I love, like I love because every we're here to have a human experience. So I love being part of the human experience. I didn't want to go like to an island, which is really nice. Like I think if I if I had my if I really wanted to not be responsible for my mission, then I would go to an island and just live there. And so not doing that and being in the world, going to Agape, I took a course. I was learning a lot. The music, the minister, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Ricky, they just really fed my soul the way it needed to be fed. And I went to the course called The Course of Miracles and I read the book and that really broke down every emotion to love and fear. And it really helped me understand all of these emotions, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the anxiety, all of that is fear, it's some sort of fear. And when you can look at fear, well, this is kind of what I kind of brought to myself, this is how I relate to it. When you break down that fear and realize that fear is just an opportunity to love more or is placing you that needs love, whether it be a relationship or business or whatever, I realized that I can move to a place of love and I can be fierce in love. And that's why I chose let your fears make you fierce because fear can be our friend. Fear is not against us. It's just there to show us where we need to love more. Fear that my injury is going to make me not able to live my dream. That was a fear. But what was love? Love was, look, if you start this practice, it's actually going to be your occupation, which I didn't know at the time. Mm -hmm. But loving myself at that time was just going to that yoga class. Mm -hmm. Loving myself at the time was getting help. Loving myself at the time was just taking one day at a time to do something for myself. And eventually everything worked out. Mm, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> so that's the name of the book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. And one of the things that you talk about that really jumped out at me, fear as physical pain, specifically, you know, this is an outpicturing of fear in and of mm -hmm. itself. But, and I love that you put this in here because we look past this so often, but physical pain being an indication that something needs attention. But what we tend to do is like when we're in pain, everything is just wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just wrong. You know, nothing is right. And it's very, very difficult to see the brighter side, to operate, you know, like we feel like we're not adequate, you know, but fear can be, I'm sorry, Pain, which is an outpicturing of fear, right. can be an indicator that something just needs attention. So changing that flip, flipping a switch in our mind to see pain differently. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You see fear as, you, uh, fear as your friend. You see pain as your power. Because if you think about it, you are in the gym, most people watching work out. When you're in pain, when you feel that lactic acid buildup and you're sore, what's happening? You feel it, it's sore, it hurts, but your muscle is 
over repairing itself so you can be stronger. So the same thing happens when you're in pain. If you allow yourself to heal that pain or when you're in fear, you allow yourself to address that fear, then you actually become stronger on a spiritual and emotional level. Mm-hmm. So Love it's it. all it's all connected and it all yeah. it all mirrors each other if you if you look at it closely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So and I just want to get this across for everybody because we're all the human body is so amazing. Like mm-hmm. it's not just based on trauma, you know, like something that happens physically, like, you know, we hurt a, you know, a, a muscle or a bone doing something, right. but our bodies really display pain from even just our thinking, right. you know? And so just carrying a lot of stress, maybe that's creating a lot of pain in your neck, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like paying attention and asking when you're feeling that pain, like, what is my body trying to teach me? Or what is my body trying to say to me mm-hmm. right now? Just to slow down and start to re-identify but I think another part of it is like it's it's also when it happens in our body and we know the answer mm-hmm. is giving us action steps. Right. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. we have to change. We have to change. And that's why I wanted this book to be practical application yeah. because you hear it all the time. You got to change. You got to do something different. You got to do something for yourself. But what does that look like? And for me, the breath work, connecting with spirit is number one. And yeah. anyone, even if you can't move a limb, even if you're in your hospital bed listening to this right now, one thing we all can do is breathe. Once you have the breath of life, that is spirit and that is the guide. Right. And then you take that breath and you start to meditate. You go into meditation and that meditation can be, you know, receiving what I call divine downloads, spiritual downloads, or it can be really asking a question from you and really focusing on visualization or what you want to manifest. So there's so many ways that you can use the breath work and meditation to calm anxiety, to calm stress, to get yourself to oxygenate your cells so that you can get back to a place of peace, a little bit less pain, you know, because I know it doesn't go from pain. I didn't go from my back hurt to running on the track overnight. It took time. And so when we go through this time of not caring for ourselves or not caring for people we love or not caring for the world, it's going to take some time to balance that out. And I think that's something that people don't have enough patience for sometimes. Sometimes I see myself getting impatient. I was like, and I just have to remind myself, like, Koya, things take time. You you heard that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that thing and I'm going to be all good. But that all good might take one or two years. And I think we have to enjoy the journey and realize we are spiritual beings having this human experience and realize that part of this experience is growing every single day, not being perfect. Not I'm still not perfect. I have all the principles in the book. I do the meditation, the yoga, the chakra work, the breath work, the goal setting, the vision, all the things, right? All the time. But at the same time, every it's like being in school. You're not graduating until you actually go into the ground you're going to the next level and then you'll have a series of tests and hopefully you pass, you go to the next level. If you don't pass, you'll probably stay in that grade. And that's, this is a sermon that I heard, I think, before I moved to LA and I loved it because it helped me realize like it's not about getting to the point where you have no problems or nothing can touch you or nothing can hurt you. Part of life is experiencing transition, experiencing growth, experiencing tra- um, change. And once you start to accept that, like accept the reality, 
you can really look at it like, how can I grow from this? How can I feel this? How can I share this? How can I mourn with my family when I need to mourn? And how can I heal when I need to heal? So you understand the duality of life. Like in the day, in the course of one day, we have the sun and then we have the darkness. But in the darkness, we're not all sad. We're resting and we're recovering. And so when we have dark times in our life, we have to understand normally that's the time when we need to rest and recover. And if we start not looking at it as positive and negative, but just uh, an event, a thing, we learn to make peace with it and we learn to move through life and find more happiness. Mm, I love it. love it. So there's four specific categories or types of fear that Mm -hmm. you address in the book, and these are all very profound. And we're going to talk about those right after this quick break. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Don't sleep on sleep. Today, there is a big revolution happening to improve our sleep quality because we're understanding finally just how much our sleep quality impacts our physical performance, our brain function, and literally impacts our body composition. Sleep deprivation is something that can directly lead to increased fat gain and an inability to lose weight as well. With great sleep, we see an increased ability to burn fat, like the research that was done by the International Association for the Study of Obesity that found that our sleep quality, namely a sleep-related hormone called melatonin that everybody's heard of, increases your body's production of something called brown adipose tissue. This is a type of fat that actually burns fat. And the reason that it's brown versus the white adipose tissue is brown adipose tissue has a lot more mitochondria. And these are the energy power plants in our cells, very metabolically active tissue that we build more of when we get great sleep. Now. The issue today is getting that great sleep. And there's tons of lifestyle factors, but there's also a nutrition component. And there's a study that was published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior that found that the renowned medicinal mushroom reishi was able to, number one, significantly decrease sleep latency. This means you fall asleep faster when you have reishi. They also found that this increased overall sleep time for study participants. And they found that this increased the sleep efficiency by improving the non-REM deep sleep and improving our light REM sleep as well. This comprehensive approach to improving sleep, it's not pounding our sleep into submission, what we see with conventional drugs and things of that nature, where it's kind of like pseudo sleep. This is actually improving your sleep quality, your sleep efficiency by utilizing Rishi. Now, the only Rishi that I use is from Four Sigmatic because it's dual extracted, where they're doing an alcohol extract and a hot water extract. So they're actually extracting all of the nutrients from the mushroom that you think you're getting with Company X, all right? You're actually getting those compounds. With the hot water extract, you're getting the beta-glucan related compounds. And then with the alcohol extract, you're getting more of the hormonal compounds. And I think these are really important for sleep, like the terpenes and things in that category and so much more. So make sure to use foursigmatic.com forward slash model to get your hands on this and so much more. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 15% off their Rishi elixir and all of their medicinal mushroom elixirs, coffees, hot cocos, and so much more. I love Four Sigmatic. I literally have them every single day, one of their different products. Today I had my Lion's Mane coffee mix. So, so good. And it has all of these benefits as well. If you're still drinking standard coffee, what are you doing? You need to get these benefits from the Four Sigmatic coffee mixes. Now, head over and check them out ASAP because these are absolutely game-changing. 
the coffee mix, great for in the morning, Rishi, great for in the evening and winding down. And they've got all of this research to back it up. And this is what it's all about is having more education so that we're executing on the things that really do work, that have a clinically proven benefit, and we can actually enjoy ourselves and have a good time along the way. And again, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model for 15% off everything. And now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're with Koya Webb, the author of this epic new book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. And before the break, we were talking about these four specific categories that our fears mm-hmm. fall into. And I really want to have you on to talk about this because, you know, from, from us getting to from here, where, wherever we are, to where we want to be in our lives, a lot of that, which is dictating our inhibition, has to do with fear. Mm-hmm. And because we all have so much potential, you know, there's so much possibility for every single person, but it's always, you know, we hear this thing about fears holding us back. And so you really broke down and dissected these. So the first one is fear of failure. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that one a bit. That is the biggest one. I mean, just think about it, whether it's you're gonna write a book, you're starting a relationship, you're starting a new job. I think, I don't know anyone who's not experienced fear of failure because you wonder, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Can I do this? And that takes you out of that space of love, of knowing like you can do the best you can, you can do a good job based on the tools that you've been given, right? But we're always judging ourselves compared to someone else. And that's kind of where, you know, social media and a lot of people are experiencing so much anxiety with social media because now we're in constant state of comparison. When you're in that constant state of comparison, you can't be in love. But if you can meditate and get yourself back to, I am worthy, I'm going to do the best I can, you're good. So when you feel the fear of failure, it usually comes from, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. And a lot of times it can stem from childhood. But once you say, you know what, I'm just going to do the best that I can. I'm going to give this like 100% and let the chips fall where they may. And that attitude can get you through anything. And you might not make it. Like most, um, The Tipping Point, you know, that was one of my favorite books to read and realize it takes 10,000 hours to be successful at something. And realize that, you know what, it doesn't matter if it doesn't come day one, day two, day three. And the biggest thing that I got with this, the biggest lesson I got when I was trying to play basketball, I always tell my track and field story, but I played basketball in high school and I didn't make the team. I didn't play in um, junior high. And when I went to high school, I was running track and field. And I told my track coach, like, everyone loves, no one's really looking at the track. Everyone loves basketball. And, you know, my dad loves basketball. And I was a daddy's girl. So I was like, I want to play basketball. So I asked my coach, I was like, you know, uh, you know, can you get me on the team? He's like, I don't know. You know, the team's not really winning. Do you really want to play? I was like, yes, I really want to play basketball. So I was hoping you can get me on. You know, I'll do, I'll work hard. You know, I'll do whatever it takes. He's like, all right. So he talked to the coach and I was in earshot and he was like, look, can you give Koya a chance? Even if she's riding the bench, she's definitely going to run up and down the court. You know, she'll play some good defense. She's a hard worker. She's a good girl. Can you put her on the team? And the coach was like, well, it's not like we have anything to lose. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, I was happy. I didn't care if it was losing team. I just wanted to play. And so I went out and I started playing and I was not good. 
I mean, I could not dribble. I would lose the ball. I would throw the ball. And I remember the one time when I, I would practice, I would dribble around my pole in my basement. I was like, I'm going to get this thing down because I was tall and lanky and just figuring out my body. But I was, I couldn't get it down. And so I'm practicing, practicing. And finally, I'm like, you know, if I just get one chance, if I get one chance, you know, I'm going to, I practice this specific layup that I was going to do exactly how I was going to grab the rebound. I visualize it. And I got an opportunity. My The person in front of me fouled out. I got into the game. I was like, all right, where's that rebound? I'm going to get it. I pictured this a million times. I'm going to do it. And so I snatched the rebound. I went to the perimeter, bouncing that ball so hard and running down the court with all my might. And I laid it up. And I was like, yes. And no one was yelling. And I was like, and then my coach was just shaking her head. She's like, Koya, that's the wrong oh my, goal. Oh, my God. And I'm God. like, oh, uh, no. Get over here. And I was like, oh. Is this? Is there a video of this? I hope oh, not. That's... It was the most humiliating. And then but I looked in the crowd. My dad just laughing. <laughs> and I was just like, that is the most embarrassing wow. thing. I've done some more embarrassing things since then, but that at that time was the most embarrassing thing. So I sit on the bench and I was like, oh man, it felt so good to do it. But I was like, it was the wrong It was the wrong goal. And so, but believe it or not, I don't know how, but even though I shot at the wrong goal, I was really happy inside mm, because mm. I did exactly what yeah. I said I was gonna do, and my friends were laughing and everyone. And I, you know, I'm kind of a comedian underneath people. Most people don't know this about me, but I was laughing at myself. Mm. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, and I was just like, okay, well, I mean, we wasn't, we weren't winning anyway. So yeah. I was just like, don't. so anyway, so that happened. I rode the bench for the rest of the season because the coach, mm. you know, um, we we didn't have a winning streak, and she didn't need anyone shooting at the wrong goes to further the humiliation <laughs> of the loss right so I, I wrote the bench but then the third year my um junior year um we got a new coach and the coach didn't know any of us and so they just let us play and the coach was a man and he said you're gonna play based on how good you are no one has a position no one owns a position I was like oh opportunity because mm. I'm a hard worker and I was like oh I'm gonna start I just said in my mm. mind I was like I'm gonna start I knew it and so I worked hard, and I'm a team player. And the person that was, I was taking their place, and they were probably like, oh, she's talking about me. Um, but I knew that if I did my best, that I would do well just because I see people. I see everyone. And, I, and as I rode the bench, I would see what moves I should make and how it should go. So I paid attention. I worked hard. I played. Mm. I played my heart out. I started. And at the end of that year, I got most improved player of the year. And I did the same thing my senior year, and I got MVP, most rebounds, and most points. Unbelievable. And so that's how I knew if anything that I wanted bad enough, if I put my heart to it, then it would work out. Yeah. I knew after that that I wasn't afraid of hard work and that it was going to take hard work to get anything that I wanted. But I saw the results. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. I'm literally like, I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. I was I was really excited. Why about was it. I just listening to that on really? the way in here today? Get out. I swear to God, the have... Carters. Like, matter of fact, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, I'm I gotta pull show it up. you. I'm gonna pull it up. Wow, that's so funny. Nah, man. Come on. Right here. It's right there. Come yep. on. He's, I mean, that's a different track 
on the album, but I listened to that one That's first. So That's so cool. That's nuts. See, we're in the zone right we're now. We're in the vibration. Well, listen, serendipity. I yeah. believe highly in serendipity as yeah. well. Yeah. This is the. These moments are always happening. Even then, you know, you were scripting out how things were gonna go, mm-hmm. and even with that fear of failure, like you didn't. You had already failed before. You right. Know, you failed in high school. And now you got a clean slate, in, in a sense, to, right. to in an opportunity, even though you couldn't really even bounce a ball to play with grown <laughs> people, you know. But And the, the story, like you did fail. You mm-hmm. did fail, but you just kept showing up. Yeah. Most people just don't do that. If you just keep showing up and it might not have the exact, it might not be the exact picture. Right. There, it, it will be a different flavor of it sometimes or a different, you know, different color of it. But it, it's so crazy. Like I've talked to so many people over the years mm-hmm. who they saw a certain dream in their mind and they got right. I mean, so most of the people that, of course, that I've had on the show, mm-hmm. they've met that dream. Right. You know, it might have a different version again. But so many of us just when we meet our opposition, we stop because right. of that fear of failure, especially once you get in it. And so what I want to encourage people to do and what you're doing as well is. With the 10,000 hours, Mm -hmm. you got just take the first hour because it seems so daunting. It seems so much, 10,000 hours. You're not going to catch me. I'm like in the 50, 60, 70,000, 80,000. You know what I'm saying? But you have your own track and your own opportunity. And you need to get hour one under your belt. You know, hour ones, guess what? You got 50, 60, 70,000 hours that are about to pass anyways. Absolutely. So what are you going to do? Right. You know, and you're not thinking about the hours as well, because I always tell people, enjoy yeah. the journey, because once you get there, you're going to be on to the next thing. You're just going to want something else. Yeah. And so not even worrying about when is it going to come. And I like to remind people, you don't fail until you stop trying. Because if you listen to anyone, anyone on your show, it's like you try and it goes different. You might change paths, but you don't fail until you stop trying. Because even though my path transitioned from track and field to you know life coaching to being a thought leader and teaching love consciousness, I'm still helping people. Yeah. And that was my mission at the end of the day. Yeah. And so, yes, things change, but are you happy? Are you doing what you love? And those are the things you have to ask yourself. And if so, keep going. Yes. Keep going yes. and enjoy the journey. And in the book, you have this this specific sentence. This challenge is not me failing. Speaking of failure, when, mm-hmm. when that failing moment happens, well, from, from how we label it. But you said, this challenge is not me failing. This is me getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Right? right? That's what it is. It's mm-hmm. just developing those muscles to be able to pivot, to be able to adapt, to be able to see things differently. Right. That's what it is. It's Even gift. in the mind, like when you start to think like, okay, I'm saying I don't love myself and I don't love myself. I don't feel good about myself. And you say the affirmations and I share an affirmation in every chapter and people are like, why am I saying these affirmations? These affirmations are not true. But if you think about it, the more you say the affirmation, the stronger you get mentally. So even if you don't believe it yet, your mind is getting stronger to believe it. And then eventually what you believe is going to match what you're saying. Yeah. So good. So true. Ah, I love this so much. (laughs) So fear of failure is so important because I know everybody listening has a talent, a gift, a mission, something of value and we need it like we really need it right now and there's that proverb and i might mess the 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 numbers up but it's that journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step Mm -hmm. you know and so i'm just really wanting people to take that first step you know whatever that calling is 
maybe, you know, maybe you might be in your 30s and you're like, I've always won. I've had hoop dreams too, Koya. Right. I've had hoop dreams. And just going and joining a league, you know, mm-hmm. and just doing something that feels good to you, mm-hmm. you know, like you could barely dribble, you know what I'm saying? But they ended up like, what an incredible story. Like, I'm so grateful that you shared that story with me <laughs> because of the the comedy in the beginning. Like you literally score on your own goal. But I saw the beauty in like she's fulfilling her vision. Right. It's just a little backwards. Right. But you know what I'm saying? And But you just kept showing up and. Mm-hmm. The opportunity will present itself. Absolutely. And sometimes it doesn't look like you think it's supposed to look, but how do you feel? Like yeah. we might be in a job like, I would never do that. Or even be in a relationship like, mm, I don't know about that person, but you feel good mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. You feel good around these people. And so sometimes it doesn't look like how we think it's going to look. And, you know, when I start, you know, eating a certain way, you know, eating plant-based and I'm from the South and no one in my family is plant-based and I never thought I would be vegan, you know, and I was like, you know, and my parents asked me, what do you eat? Salads, you know, and they tease me all the time, but I'm like, but it feels good. So even though it's different and even though they don't understand it, I'm like, you know, I share my food with them. Um, They're sad they can't share their food with me anymore, but they also respect it and they also see my happiness and want me to be happy. And so that really does, you know, make me feel good. And again, it's all about what makes you feel good. And I think if people remember that one thing, not looking outside of themselves for happiness, approval, and just really tune in. And you do that with the mm-hmm. meditation and breath work. And so when you do that, you're able to actually feel what's actually making you happy. And that leads us to the next fear, this major fear of these mm-hmm. four, which is a fear of judgment mm-hmm. and how that can debilitate us. Absolutely. The fear of judgment and number one judgment is us judging ourselves us judging ourselves as not worthy enough or not good enough. If we don't look like this, if we don't wear this, if we don't say this, if we don't have these accolades, we judge ourselves and say we're not good enough. And then we look at people outside of us and see how they are affirming our own self-judgment. But people don't, people like, oh, they're judging me. No, you're actually judging yourself. And now you're looking at people to affirm the judgment that you have on yourself. And I think if people realize that, they'll do the self-work to see like, what do I really feel about myself? And I will say, like, I have so many insecurities. Um, you know, it started with my hair and then, you know, the color of my skin. And then, you know, even being tall as a tall woman, you know, having all these things being different and um, having these self-judgments. And when you have that, you really have to heal those spaces else you're always going to find someone that's going to affirm exactly what you're thinking inside. And guess what? That's fear. And that's an opportunity for love. So you have to work with saying the affirmation, I am beautiful, I accept myself, you know, learning how to work with your hair, learning how beautiful your skin is, learning to fall in love with your height, whether you're short or tall or in between, whatever it is you have a challenge with, I know we all have challenges with something that we want to change. And but if you can fall in love with the person that you are, it's going to help you pull out of that. You know, but if you kind of look around, it's just going to keep reminding you of like, yeah, I affirm that. Yeah, you are tall. And for a girl, it, it, it has this, this and hashtag tall girl problems, you know, and sometimes <laughs> we just kind of affirm hashtag, you know, all these negative things. But I love like now we're starting to say, you know, I am different. This is how I'm different. And this is beautiful. 
different is beautiful. And the more that we can embrace our uniqueness, we all have unique gifts and talents, like you mentioned earlier. And if we can all realize that, look at all of nature. Nature is our most beautiful example. Everything in nature is different, but it works together to make a beautiful world. And if we can just realize we are all different and beautiful, and it takes our differences to make up this beautiful world, then we would stop trying to be someone else or do something. We would be inspired. Like, I'm sure the sun is inspired by the moon. The moon is inspired by the sun, but they shine at different times, you know, and we are just like the sun and the moon. We're meant to shine in the light, in the darkness, just shine and just be ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I love that because with you sharing those things about the things you were worried about judgment behind, you know, because when people see you today, they're like, mm-hmm. what does she know about judgment? She's beautiful. She's mm-hmm. impacting all these lives. She's got it together, right? And you sharing that and opening up, and you did that throughout the book in many different ways, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it just gives us more freedom to realize, like, these are really self-imposed judgments. Yeah. And you also talk about in the book that you're not a victim, you're a creator. Mm -hmm. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. And I think it's a good thing that, you know, I shared it because it was really hard to share that chapter of the book because I shared how I've been assaulted. And I feel like when things happen like assault, really traumatic things like world catastrophes, you know, a loss of a child, like things. And you're like, what, like, what, what can you, what can I do to change that? What did I do wrong? Like all these things you want to have a reason, right? Well, what I realized and what helped me heal through that time is just realizing that things happen in the world. And sometimes there is no why there is no why, but no matter what happens, you have this opportunity to grow from it and not let it take you out. And I believe, you know, we all, no matter what, we all are going to experience someone dying in our lives, right? And I think that's something that since everyone is experiencing it, they can relate to it more. The more that we realize like, okay, this person died and I'm not happy about it because I love this person, but I'm going to remember the good that they were in this world. And I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to live with that. So when something happens and when, you know, for me, when this all happened, I had to remember that I am a good person and I am loved no matter what happens to me. I can't think of why. I can't think of what I could have done. That's just going to make me like pull my hair out and cry for years upon years, which which happened, which I, I, I still think that there's something that affects my relationships today that I have to constantly heal from and work through. But I'm still happy, I'm still healthy, I'm a good person. And I think that's what we have to remember, that no matter what happens to you, remember love. And everything else is illusion. For people um, to offend you, let's say if it's a job or another person, they're in a sick state. If you can have compassion, no matter what, that can also help you forgive yourself for being hurt for for so many years and also forgive that person. So I had to do some deep forgiveness work and realize that I could say, this happened to me and really be mad at the world for the rest of my life because this happened to me. Or I can say, this happened to me and I'm going to create a space for other women to share, other men to share when they have been assaulted, when they've been taken advantage of. And let's just talk about it. Let's talk about how it makes us feel. Let's talk about how much it sucks. And let's talk about the people that we are regardless of what happens Mm -hmm. to us. And so I use it as to empower myself and to empower others. So instead of being a victim, 
I made myself a creator. And that's what I'm doing every single day. And I really, really um, challenge and also just like I challenge everyone that if you do feel like you're a victim in life, see how you can become a creator. See how you can make, you know, turn those lemons into lemonade because it's never going to get easy. You're never going to have enough whys. And sometimes it's not going to make sense. But what I do know for sure is that you can get out of it. You can connect back with who you are. And that's a spiritual being, have a loving experience, having a human experience, having a loving human experience, <laughs> yeah. despite when negative things happen, because negative things, they don't last for and ever. Injury doesn't last forever. And trauma doesn't last forever unless you let it. And every time I see some of that trauma bubbling up around things in the past, I just go to the, my mirror work, go to my gratitude journal. I just start again telling myself that you're okay. You are loved. Keep reminding myself that. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Just to go back with this, you know, this fear of judgment, um, I think, again, today really offers a really powerful opportunity, but also another level of self-imposed limitation because of our access like to social media and things like that. Because I know a lot of people listening have been thinking about, you know, I want to start a podcast or I want to, you know, do something with social media or do become a vlogger or a YouTuber or all these different tools that we have access to or write that book. Mm -hmm. And we're debilitated because we're worried about what other people are going to think. Now, there is an inherent kind of like human concern of connection, you know, just like it's that amygdala, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like a primal. We want to be accepted in the tribe. But this is losing track. And just thank you for sharing that of your innate value, like you're so valuable. And a lot of these things we cook up in ourselves, we look for affirmation of these things. Right. And so today more than ever, and I just want to give this really quick word, however weird you are, which you probably got your weirdness, however your quirks, the, the way that you communicate, I promise you there are other people who will resonate with you. There are other people who are feeling the same way. And mm -hmm. just like you said, creating the opportunity to have those conversations right. is so cathartic and, and healing because we separate ourselves. Like we're more connected than ever and we're so much more separate than mm -hmm. ever in some ways. And so I wanna just encourage you to look at that fear of judgment and mm -hmm. ask yourself like, is this really debilitating me? Is it really, is it really worth it? You know, my fear of judgment versus me giving my gift. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, we need you right now. And you not sharing your story, your experience, your insight, it's it's a little bit selfish. Absolutely. It's a little bit selfish. The world needs everything each and every one of us has, else we wouldn't have been created. We are all so necessary. And we're necessary at our highest, the highest version of ourselves. And that is my goal, even with this book, is you know, and I think when you remember your why, oh, not just I'm gonna do a podcast because Shauna's doing a podcast. I'm gonna do a podcast, because, but first of all, is it fun for you? And why are you doing it? I'm doing a podcast because again, I want to serve people and I want to put a positive. So I think sometimes we look at what other people are doing. We say I'm gonna do that because that's the way to be successful, and it's superficial. And sometimes when when it's not a deep-seated why or is a deep-seated reason that you're doing this, you can feel lost and you can feel unfulfilled. Right. And so that's why when I start things, I'm like, how does this make me feel? And if it doesn't make me feel good, I let it go. I mean, there was a point in time. I don't even know why this came up for me to share, but I guess I'm going to share it because sometimes I get downloads. So it's embarrassing. So I'm going to share something embarrassing now. I got this opportunity to play laundry basketball. <laughs> 
And I'm gonna regret the fact that everyone's gonna Google this and look is at so those good. pictures. Uh, this is so good. Please continue. I don't want to. <laughs> okay, so I got this opportunity to play lingerie basketball. And so in high school, remember I ran track and I played basketball, but I chose track and field because I got more offers. And um, I, you know, had a bad experience, you know, playing basketball. Like, you know, it wasn't, it was a different kind of energy there that I wasn't, you know, comfortable with. And so I uh, got this opportunity, like, yeah, you know, um, we're looking for girls for this, like, semi-pro league lingerie basketball. And I was thinking, oh, well, I like lingerie and I like basketball, so let's do this. So, you know, I think I can still play. And like you said, you don't lose it. You can do it at any age. So it's exactly what I was thinking. So I go out. I'm training. I'm having fun. I see the outfit. I'm like, ooh, that's no. I guess. Okay. <laughs> you know, and so I wasn't really connected with it. But again, I had this passion in me to like, see if I still had it, see if I could still play. And I could I actually had a shot because I was a little bit more confident. I'd been doing the work. So here I am playing totally stage left of my purpose. Like there's nothing that I was going to do with a lingerie basketball <laughs> to help many people. Um, but, just, well, but I mean, you could, you, you know, what I'm saying? but go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, the point was that, you know, and just in respect to everyone else that play lingerie basketball, for me, it was definitely a detour from what yeah. I was doing, which I was life coaching at the time. Yeah. But this is so good right now. Like the paradox. <laughs> I love this. But it was so good because one, I was financially struggling. So that extra yeah. cash per month was good. Two, I love basketball. And again, I love lingerie. So I played it. And so what happened was um, it was really rough. I didn't like what came with it. So at the end of the day, it wasn't because it was lingerie basketball and not that it was just a detour, but I wasn't happy because it was a lot of cattiness. It was a lot of um, arguing. This one girl just wanted to fight me every single day. I remember I asked her, why do you want to fight me? She was like, I don't know. She was a beat my face in for no reason, just because I was who I was and I was likable and I bring oranges for everyone on the team. You know, I'm just a nice person, but some people don't like nice people. They just want you to be mean and gossip and do everything else. And I, I refused. So I was, I was not liked. So long story short, I knew that I needed to get out. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Yes, the basketball is fun. The laundry is cute, but you know, you're not in an environment that's helping you grow. And right now you're trying to get your life together. You're trying to make a life for yourself, but this is not, you're not happy. Um, and you need to shift, but I couldn't cause I signed a contract. Hmm. Right. So I, I was in there and, um, I remember the game and I was like, man, I don't like this girl. I am going to shove this ball right. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to like annihilate. And then we went on, and this is the athlete in me. So we're, we're under the goal. We're like boxing each other out, pushing each other. I mean, we're just fierce. We're, and we're going hard and I'm scoring, she's scoring. And I remember I was all the way in my ego. I was all about just like scoring all over her, like making her look like the worst player on the court. And I remember dribbling down the court and all of a sudden, pop, dribbling. My knee went out. I flew in the stands, completely ruptured my ACL. Complete rupture. That game right there. No one touched me. She's just like, and she didn't. It literally just popped. 
And I don't know how many people believe in energy or metaphysics, but I was 100% competitive, 100% like I, I want to be her and I want to show her like I'm the best player on the team and all of this stuff. And then I was out. Mm. I was out. And so, you know, doing the work and having done the work and having been injured, this was my third time, I realized that you were not where you wanted to be. You were 100% in your ego in competition. And this is going to give you an opportunity to breathe and love on yourself and think about your why and think about where you want to be. And let me tell you, I did not want to lose my ACL to get this lesson. Yeah. But when I when I was on crutches and when I was in my bed, when I got an opportunity to breathe and meditate, I realized that that was a detour. That was a detour. And I think it's okay. You know, it's okay to have those times in life where you're in a toxic relationship and you know that person isn't good for you, yeah. but you stay in it because it's kind of fun. And then you're like, oh, I need to get out. And sometimes different things can push us out. Maybe we realize it and get out on our own or maybe different things happen. But this was a this was a detour, and I, my out was an injury, and it hurt, and it took a long time, I think a whole nother year to heal. But at the same time, then I started making food, and I started healing myself. You know, again, I got away from my practice because I started focusing on basketball more. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, when you are committed to the practice, even when you make detours, you'll be guided back. And that's why I want to give everyone this gift of meditation and yoga. And that's why I share these tools in the book is because it's not about being perfect. And even if I hadn't got an injury and still played, I think eventually I would have had decided, like, you're not healthy. So you need to ask yourself, should you stay or should you go? So that was my story. Yeah. I don't know how I got on that tangent oh, or why is, that downloaded at the time. Listen, but I'm like, it's okay. because, you know, this is I'm so grateful that you shared this because we so many people like they've got that story like this I don't want people to know this part right. you know what I'm saying and like you gave that good reference point of like being in a toxic relationship and so many people have experienced that or they're experiencing it right now right. and just to, to know that we're still getting this this feedback yeah. that things do need to change but everybody has had these situations that they're not necessarily like pumped to share <laughs> But it it you can still change. You can get back on track and you can have those detours. And wow, because the thing is life, when we talked about that first step of a, you know, uh, a journey of a thousand miles taking the first step, it's not a straight path. Right. That's the thing too. Like mm -hmm. you're going to have these random crazy things come up along the path, but they're all developing something. Right. You know, there's a gift in it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so for like that, like firmly cemented you on where you, are supposed to be, you know? So thank you. That's so awesome. And so <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. First of all, I know about the lingerie football, but now I right. know. I think very similar, very similar, but I think they were trying to start a basketball league. And, you know, mm. I don't, I think it didn't, didn't, you know, manifest fully, but is the lingerie football thing still going on? I have no idea. Me neither. I have but. no idea. But, you know, I mean, like I said, again, everything that other people do is not for you. For someone else, it might be the thing. And that's another thing I think is important to talk about, too. Like, what was not for me could be for someone else. Like, I ended up not running track and field, but someone else maybe kept going and now they they have a gold medal. You know, and so it's not really about comparison yeah. or worrying about what it is or what it isn't or what it should be or what should you do what you know asking other people it's really about doing the internal dialogue what is it for me right now mm. 
And I think if we always go within to work things out instead of looking outside of ourselves, we'll be led and guided to our exact path that we need to be doing on this earth. And no one else knows it. So even when I teach, I tell people, I'm sharing my story so that you will be inspired. But I don't expect you to do everything that I'm doing. Like every little thing is like you have to find out what works for you. And hopefully I give you enough tools that you can try a couple out and keep the ones that you like and toss the ones that you don't. But realize that this is a personal journey we have. And when we bring people into our lives, they're helping us. They're also challenging us in ways that we need to be challenged to grow and evolve. But it's all a process of us becoming the best version of ourselves. It's all a process of us truly enjoying life as us, not anyone else. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is a great segue to the third fear. Mm -hmm. And if we could talk about this quickly, fear of change. Oh yeah. Well, the only constant thing in life is change. So I don't understand like why we fear it so much, but the only thing constant in life, everything in life changes. And we get into jobs, we get into relationships, even with ourselves. And you're like, I don't ever want to change. I always want to feel this. Well, the constant thing is you're going to feel sadness. You're going to feel pain in our own selves, and we're also gonna feel it in our relationships, in our jobs. You're gonna go through this ebb and flow, and the more you resist, what? The more it persists. So the more you're like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, the more you're gonna. The more you're gonna feel it, and you're gonna have to breathe through it because it's just teaching you the lesson to for peace. And what that's the thing we all want, world peace. World, how does world peace happen? Well, it starts inside. How can you have peace? Stop resisting change. Because change is inevitable. It's going to happen. And so when these things happen, we just asking the question, what is this trying to show me? What is this trying to tell me? How is this leading me towards love? Because if love is all there is and fear is an illusion, then even the fearful stuff, even the hard stuff, even the seemingly bad thing is still a journey towards love. And that's what I truly believe. Love it. Love it. And the final one, and again, there's so much more laid out in the book, but just to have this framework Mm -hmm. of these various fears. And I was actually surprised to see this one because I was kind of scanning before I even got to it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes your consciousness can jump ahead a little bit. And so I was like thinking about what would the fourth one be? And then to see this one, I was surprised. But then it was like, yeah, this makes sense. So it's fear of being the first. Yes. And if you're the first, if you've ever been the first in something, then you can you can really relate to this. But actually, we all are the first in something because we're the first version of ourselves. Even if you're a twin, you're the first version of yourself. And people are afraid to be first. They are, that's why we're so afraid to be themselves. And that's an uncommon one. But I realized that after a lot of study, it's just like, if you think about it, you're like, if you're the first one to go to college, you're afraid because you don't have anyone to look at. You don't have a template to follow. So what do you have to do? You have to figure yourself out. You have to do the internal work. We are the first people. We are the first, you know, in everything that we do because we are the one. So it, what does that take? Internal thinking and self-assessment, which is what the book is like. Just self, what are the top 10 things that you like? What are your goals? What are you, like all that needs to happen on a weekly basis, even on a daily basis sometimes when you're changing a lot. But I think the fear of being first is what holds most people back. They're looking for an example that they can follow, that they can latch on to. They say, okay, if this worked for them, then it can work for me. And that's beautiful. It's very beautiful to be inspired. And it's very beautiful to look on social media and look online and, and, and have inspirations, but again, inspirations. 
Not necessarily a template because unless you realize that, you know, there are going to be some differences. And I think when people are afraid to be the first at something, it holds them back. They're perfect. They're like me, like I'm a perfectionist. So perfectionist breeds procrastination and you never put it out there because you think I want it just like this. It has to be, I have to say the perfect thing and I have to look perfect and everything has to be perfect. And until it's perfect, I can't do it. And you're just holding back all that beauty from the world, all the beauty of who you really are, all the beauty of what you can really do because you're trying to be perfect or you're trying to be like someone else. But if you're not trying to be perfect, and you're not trying to be like someone else, then you will not have the fear of being first. You will go forth knowing that the world needs exactly what you have, exactly the way you have to share it. Whether it's quirky or funny or weird or loud or soft or whatever, the world needs it just like that because as you said before, someone can relate to it. And then someone will be inspired to be their quirky, unique, amazing self. And I think that's what, you know, the fear of being first is all about. It's just not being afraid to be you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being you <laughs> and you. sharing your story and putting your your life and your experience, and your insight into into your book. And also, you know, you have a new podcast as yeah. well. And I'm just really in awe of, you know, you coming from Humboldt. Humboldt, Tennessee. Because, you know, it's very close to humble because I know some people are like, oh. what did you say, humble? Yeah, hum humbled, <laughs> and to where you are today and the millions of lives that you've impacted, mm -hmm. you know, through like just, and again, you said it's not perfect, but just working on, working through being more you and sharing that with us. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. been an honor to be on your show. And thank you for creating this platform and giving me the opportunity and so many others the opportunity to share. Oh, thank you. I received <laughs> that. Thank you. So let everybody know, please, where they can pick up your book and also connect with you online. Thank you. Well, you can pick up my book at KoyaWeb.com and you can find me online at KoyaWeb on Instagram. Also, my company, Get Loved Up, which is all about self-love, unity, and eco-friendly living. Um, you can find those both on Instagram and all the other social media outlets. So KoyaWeb and Get Loved Up. Awesome. Thank you, Koya. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I feel good. Right? I feel like I got a soul hug today and that last fear really jumped out at me and you know i've shared bits and pieces of my story of course here on the podcast over these years but yeah that the fear of being first is very difficult if you don't have a model or have an example but this is why we need that exposure and that's that's why this show exists you know this is the model health show but ultimately you are creating your own template, your own model of success, of happiness, of health. And it's gonna be different from every other person and it's beautiful. And so really operating and working through that fear of being the first, because that's ultimately what you're gonna find yourself at is creating your own model of how things are gonna be. And so for me, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college and not having an example, it was hard, all right? School was easy to me, but the process of graduating took a long time because I was the first. And there was so many different things associated with that. And we can always acknowledge these fears, but we can transform them and even transform our language behind them. You know, looking back, I don't really feel like I was in fear of being the first. I felt like it was my destiny. You know, it was my mission to do it. 
And I changed the, the, the fear around. I changed the words around in my mind to just make it something more empowering. Not to say that the fear wasn't there because clearly, clearly it was there. But, you know, that even creating this podcast, there was nobody that talked like me or that looked like I did, you know, doing this. And for many years, just even looking at the top of the charts on this medium, I was the first person and I had to go through my own mental concerns early, very, very early on prior to this podcast being started about how much of myself can I actually be, you know, and thankfully I saw that, you know, the greatest gift that I can give to everybody is to be authentically myself and to allow all the different quirky, like we just stopped the show to talk about the Carter's album. All right. And if you don't know what that is, it's all good. You know, Beyonce, Jay-Z album. But, you know, like those little things about me, it's okay if everybody doesn't get it, but it's a part of who I am. And some people that do get it connect even deeper, you know. And I just want to encourage you to do that as well. You might be super into like My Little Pony. I don't know. You might be super into Gumby. I don't know. Whatever that is, allow those things that you feel are, are kind of strange and quirky or funny or fun or um, real. You know, something that, you know, like Koya shared today, like her going through a traumatic experience, being more open and brave to sharing who you are, where you come from and where you're going, because I think it's really going to connect you deeper with other people and also inspire you and inspire other folks as well. So thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If you got a lot of value out of this, make sure to share it out with the people that you care about. Tag me, tag Koya. Please let her know what you thought about this episode. And we've got some powerhouse epic stuff coming your way very soon new show topics epic guests that are just gonna knock your socks right off your feet all right so make sure to be ready for that all right take care have an amazing day and i'll talk with you soon and for more after the show make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com that's where you can find all of the show notes you can find transcriptions videos for each episode and if you got a comment you can leave me a comment there as well and please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.